0: Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Starting in July 2021, the meeting will be hybrid. You will still be able to attend the meeting via Zoom. Please go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at o r g for login information. And now, our speaker. And so, um, I chose the one where I could perform Continue performing at a perfectionist level, and uh, until I couldn't anymore. Um, and it is—it's kind of like an old drug scale. <clears throat> if you have more than one addiction, one side is heavier than the other. Mine was heavier with my food addiction. You take that off, and you don't address the other one, and bam, it hits bottom. And I will watch that for years and years in in other rooms. And so I'm so grateful to be with you. I'm so grateful. I get sent a lot of of women in in my other 12-step fellowship, and very few stay in Overeaters Anonymous. It takes a lot more work here, in my experience, a lot more focus, attention, and... I don't know about you. A lot of you I hear had binge buddies. So I'm going to describe, I'm a little, I'm, I'm sort of an outlier, and um which qualifies me for this program. We all think we're outliers. Um, but I, I um did not, I don't believe I was born with compulsive eating. I, I didn't think about food much in my early years. It was something I ate. I ate sugar. I went out and bought candy and stuff like that, but I didn't do it abnormally. Um, I was just a kid, and if you offered me that or an apple, I'd I'd choose the apple very often. What happened when I was um, eight was my mom moved in with an alcoholic and compulsive overeater with seven children. And um, I was already set up in for addiction, and here's kind of how it went. I experienced the entire world as a personal assault. Everything hurt. Lights hurt, people hurt. Uh, my senses were always off-kilter. And I desperately needed something to make it go shh. That's what I was looking for. I was not looking for a party. I didn't particularly like people. And um, I was looking for the quiet, and um, and I couldn't find it. My mother had married into this absolutely insane fan, uh, home, or this man and, and their children, and I had come from my original uh, father um, a very, uh, tr- a very traumatic entry into the world. In the first couple of years, that affected me. Something I've learned recently in recent years is that and you know there's a lot of talk about trauma and triggers and all that and I, I don't like to get stuck in that but I did need to learn some things about it and the fact was that when I came into the world I was already affected. It had affected my independent nervous system. Um, the my pre birth my birth and my and what happened in the years after. And so I was looking for something to quiet that down, to make that sense that always felt hypervigilant, waiting for the next thing to calm down. And um, I found it originally by retreating to my mind. Thank you. I retreated entirely to my mind and out of my body because being in a body was not safe. So from the time I was a young child until I came to you, I, I, had, I didn't have body dysmorphia. I had body disembodiment. Dis <laughs> I wasn't attached to it. So if you were to ask me if I were hungry, I couldn't have told you. All I knew was that at 16, I, we, we had a family business. We had a um an, an ice cream store. And I was the manager of that, and I was brought into a part of the town that was a very dangerous part of town and kind of dropped off. I was 15 years old, and um, and I ran that until 10 o'clock at night from 10 in the morning. And uh, no food was sent with me, so I started gaining weight. And my solution was to go on to a diet, and I did. I lost all the weight and found that I was not a large person, very I'm a very small bones person. I hadn't got up that much. I was probably about one hundred and sixty at that time, and I'm uh, six feet tall. Um, my body is uh, very slender and that is a, a, due to a condition, a genetic condition I have in which I uh, completely denied until recently. And um, and so I, I started gaining weight and then I found out. That I could lean over the toilet and throw up and I did that and it took off at 16 I went from a a normal eater to bonding with my stepfather through food that was an act a, a conscious act that I did and the way we did that is we had a store and that and those that soft creamy stuff Frozen was in a box, and he would take a serrated knife and cut the box in half, and that was two servings. And that's how I learned to eat, is I learned to eat with my stepdad. And um, and then, here's the other part. He had seven children, all of them were morbidly obese and now. At that time, I, uh, my stepsister was 4'11". She weighed about 350 pounds. And he used to introduce her as his favorite daughter's. And so I got it really quick that you never, ever, ever show what you're doing with regards to weight. And it, and for me, all of the positions of bad girl <laughs> or bad child in the family were taken by my other siblings. They were all drug addicts early and misbehaving. I was a straight A student and Holding that position of golden child was so important to me that I made the distinct decision at thirteen not to drink until after high school because I couldn't maintain that position um, without as I came to find out find out overeating. Overeating let me there's a piece in the book that I just love in the big book when Bill's in Bill's story and I so relate. now I've just lost a page. Okay, I'm not going to look for it. He says, everyone was jumping off the roofs during uh, 1929. Not me. I thought that, that, you know, they were losers. I went back to the bar. And that was me. Whenever I came up against a situation that I thought I couldn't handle, I could go and grab bags of food. And I could get through it. I could move through it. And I could keep up that appearance of being the good girl, of being that slender girl, of being all of those things. And you wouldn't know. And that has been the most difficult thing I've had to deal with in um, in food sobriety is that making the insides and the outsides match. Um, November 1st. 1995 is my last abstinence date. I pray it is the last one I have. I actually got sober, struck sober and abstinent on the same day in 1989, June 28th. But about two years into my abstinence, um, all of the, the stuff about the sexual abuse came up for me. And the higher power that I had was not large enough to comfort me through that. Instead of making that concept larger, I turned to what I had always turned to, which was food. And it did not happen overnight. Thank you. So I'm going to describe what what it's like um, to be coming into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and lying by omission. It happened very, very, it happened slowly. I had been calling in my food. Um, I had my sponsor was here it's, we're on our 29th year, just seeing if it will work out. I am so grateful for her. I've had a crazy food plan the whole time. It's been very not like other food plans. And my sponsor has walked through so much with me through that. Um, when I came to you, originally, what I did was I wrote three lists, green, Yellow and red like foods. And I think I mentioned, I, I I don't know if I did, I got abstinent with many of you. I don't know if you recognize me, but I sure recognize you. I got abstinent in the South Bay. And I was absolutely out of my mind when I came to the program. <laughs> but I, you know, there were 12 steps, and I'm a doer, and I got to doing. And I, I had 11 sponsees at nine months. Now, I don't know if you're horrified by that, but <laughs> the only people crazier than me were the ones following me. So I will tell you that sponsorship, I think, is for everyone. Someone needs a bad sponsor. <laughs> uh, they kept me coming back. But um, uh, my, uh, my sponsor at that time was a therapist, and she came to me and said, people are coming to me quoting you, and I thought that was a compliment. What I didn't realize is I was painting myself into a corner of knowing something. You know, Anonymous. not a mess. I was painting myself into a corner one more time of being a perfect. And um, I was stuck in the corner I painted myself into. And my lie was a lie of omission. I kept coming to OA, and I didn't tell you that I had relapsed. This very slow. But you know what wasn't slow? I can tell you the exact moment when the switch flipped in my mind. And that was the moment I decided to take that first compulsive bite. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but I have never been successful. Once that switch has flipped in stopping it, I have to start sooner. The, the first compulsive bite is the last thing that happens in the relapse, not the first thing. What I had done is I began to stop omitting, I omitted the truth. I stopped telling you how horrible this was when all of this stuff came up for me. I stopped telling you my food had gotten sloppy. I stopped telling you that, my, that, that the meals didn't end and begin. They kind of lingered. I wasn't really overeating, but I was not overeating. And, and then suddenly I had that idea. And the idea was to have that first compulsive bite. And the idea about throwing it up was, I really feel nauseous. That's what the brain will do. It will say anything when I'm in that state to get me to take that second bite. And so I did. I don't know if it was three or four years. I couldn't get any time. But my date is November 2nd. I had stopped um, binging and purging that summer. I was terrified to pick a date because I knew I would eat again. And so I and so I I didn't until I was in the hospital one more time. (laughs) Um, I wasn't there for my compulsive overeating, and I think I'll talk about that in the last few minutes. Um, I have a set of conditions that that contribute to what my body looks like and what it can absorb, and I haven't spoken about it a, a lot in LA. It's not very popular. If you're too thin, um, unless someone is pointing at one as an anorexic, and part of uh, this condition is malabsorption, it sounds like a great idea. It's, it sounds like a good idea to me before it happened to me, until it starts becoming life-threatening too. And so, um, I went into uh, OA in the last five years. Um, I was, uh, I defaulted to slender. I've been able to eat more than most uh, compulsive overeaters. In fact, I've had to. I have five minutes left. You actually have about two minutes left. Great. I have had to eat much more than comp- uh, most I've gotten to. It was a wonderful thing. And um, except I, it's gotten progressive. And it got to where I was so very ill. About uh in the last five years, where I got down to 104 pounds at six feet tall. And I was absolutely terrified about dying. But worse than that was the judger in my mind, because I'm an OA, after all. I know that this step was... I spent 20 years trying to reverse something in a condition that I had that I couldn't reverse because of the word normal weight in the format <laughs> I wanted to be a normal weight that you thought was a normal weight not a normal weight for the set of conditions that I have and um, I brutalized myself behind that right or wrong foods good or bad I still had that in my mind rather than mm-hmm. let's work with what we have yes I'll, I'll wrap up so I'm no longer in that state, but I'm still in the state where I have surrendered my, I, would, I, I don't even think it's my life to surrender. <laughs> I'm giving back life what it owns. It owns me. Life, life's me. If it wants me in this form, it's gonna keep enough weight on me because I'm mindful and I have a practice and I have a way of eating and I have somebody to eat and talk to who well, I trust no matter what. And uh, I think I've said enough. I'm so honored to be here and to be among you and to see all of you again. Thank you. Thank you, Adele. That was awesome. Um, Awesome. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are her own and not those of overreaders synonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have a question and you are in the Zoom room, go to the reactions icon and click raise hand. And if you are in the room room, uh, we know what to do. Um, actually, uh, actually,
1: Deb, we're, we're not going to raise hands. Uh, just uh, send a message to me. and I Oh, that's
0: right. Thanks, Don. I will change that. So thanks, Don, for reminding me of that. We're not going to raise hands. Um, You are just going to send a chat message to Don and it will go directly to him, thanks. Okay, Um, do we have any questions? Hi, Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, um, thank you so much for your lead. can you talk a little bit about how your relationship with your higher power has developed over time
1: and especially now that you're um, Kind of coping with
0: the, your illness Yes, thank you for that question <clears throat> um, It had to uh, In the last five years, I was brought to my knees in a way I had never been because I was always able to do all the tools. Anything that was asked, I was active, 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 active. um, These last uh, 32 years, and um, and when I was unable to show up, no matter what, I could not show up, no matter what. I literally couldn't move my head many days. Because the nausea was so uh, disabling that um, I, I couldn't move. So anyone I hear says, oh, I love myself. I'm so comfortable in my own skin. I think, oh, sit in bed for a year. You would just think about that. So I came to find out the higher power I actually had was the critic. Because what I had was I was in the most fragile state I'd ever been in my life. I was so sick, uh, physically ill, and I was so emotionally and spiritually debilitated. And I had had 18 years of meditation, serious meditation, very serious. I was serious about it. And I had an amazing experience. So I had to, guess what? At 29 years in program, I had uh, about 20 years, 25 years? No about 20 years of abstinence, I had to set aside not only the God of my concept, but the one of my direct experience and ask myself a truthful question. Why isn't this working with this part of myself? Why isn't this working? And I get down to nuts and bolts. And that was I had spent time, once Once I had that direct experience, it was very obvious to me that, that this power was on an entity. It was an experience. It was a suchness that I can't explain or describe, but I know. What the most fragile part of me, and this is the compulsive eater, this is the one who holds all the trauma and and eats to soothe. That part of me was figuratively, mentally, in the closet, hiding behind the clothes. And I had never developed a higher power that would access, be able to invite that part of me in where that part of me wanted to go with it. And when I inspected what I had, I realized this. What I needed was human qualities. And I didn't want to do that because I knew this higher power was not human, nor was it a projection of that. Here's what I discovered. My concept is not of power. The power is indescribable, and it's infinite beyond my capacity to even know but the pathway isn't and i had not made a safe pathway for this aspect of me and that was the one i wish weren't true the me that i hated the one that tantrumed after all these years in program the one that couldn't stop losing weight no matter what i did the one that couldn't show up no matter what what would it take in order for that part of me to want to go running into the arms of love? And I, I use the word love now. Instead of God, it suits me better. And um, and so I started from there. And, and what I have now is, I, I'll tell you what came to me. It, it's me, five years old covered in 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 flour and uh, chocolate syrup, and I run in the house, and my mom, the divine mother's in there. Not my mother. I know this isn't firepower. This is just my pathway. There's a divine mother. Imagine what a mother would do if that happened. A five-year-old came in like that. She's so happy. She starts cracking up, grabs the camera, takes the picture, sends it to all of her friends, swoops me up, bays me off, and puts me in a new outfit and said, I
1: love you, you are the
0: best. She has waited all week for that moment that I most dread. And that's the higher power. It waits all day for me to be in my most tantruming, awful state, because I'm this close to surrender. And so that image uh, somehow made a huge difference.
1: Okay, we have a question online. What is the part service played in your recovery?
0: Huge. I, I I just I just can't even say how huge. I I've never not sponsored except about six months, and I did that purposefully during this time, uh, uh, during my time of recovery. Um, service has been. It's embodied now, and so I pick up the phone. If I can pick up the phone, um, there's so service at so many levels. I happen to love sponsorship, and and so and it feeds me. It nourishes me, and so I've worked one on one with a lot of people. Not everyone um, is uh, prefers that, and we have so many ways to be of service. What I really love is. To be able to do uh, right now, I never know what I'm going to be dealing with from day to day. So it's, it's wonderful for me to be able to say yes in a meeting and even pick up a service commitment in that meeting for something that needs to be done. So there's always ways to do service. I've had to learn completely new ones given this new set of circumstances. But it's been critical, and it's daily. I'm not a mild case. I didn't mention, at the end of my binging, 1989, in 1989, I had a 50 to 100 dollar a day habit. Binge habit. So uh, I was going to warehouse stores. Does anyone have a question? We could turn it over to you, Don.
1: Sorry? Oh, no, I just did one online. I think it's, on, uh, the, it's time to live.
0: Right. I, I, I didn't see anyone raising their hands here.
1: So if you want to go oh, ahead. Okay. Thanks. Uh, okay. I, um, we have one online for how has relationship, how have relationships changed for you.
0: <laughs> it didn't. I had uh, I had power. I had power positions. I didn't have relationships. Um, I had a hierarchical system. Even well into program, sponsor, sponsee. teacher. I was the director. People who worked for me. Okay. Everything in my mind was a title. I had uh, transactions. Not relationships. And so I didn't even know the first thing about relationships. I didn't have them as a child. I was one of those kids in the tree alone. And I had no skills for relationships. So I can't say they were improved. I can say they weren't begun. Um, um, my relationship with my husband is a pure miracle. Had he not been so persistent, I wouldn't have had him. And it's really been in the last 10, 12 years where I have actually learned about friendships, shoulder-to-shoulder friendships, in particular in the probably last half dozen. So it took me a long time to come around. What I did was I emulated you, and so I was in. I looked like I was in relationship with you, but here's what it felt like. It felt like there was a glass door in front of me my entire life, and you were on the other side. And you were touching each other and and interacting with each other and I could see you doing it. And I could emulate those movements, but I felt nothing. Nothing. And I never thought that would change. I thought maybe I'll be able to stay abstinent, but I will not be able to feel something. I don't know what they're doing out there. And I can go and be a poser. But what I'll tell you about program is the most amazing thing. It's not a self-improvement deal. We are not in the business of self-improvement, you guys. If I could do that, I wouldn't have to come to these filling meetings. This is a spiritual program that changes us. It is not a self-program. Adult self-program got her throwing up again. And, um, and so that's not. And in relationships, the steps, without the steps, I, I have no ability to maintain them, zero. Um, the one thing is my most intimate relationship with, with anything right now, I would love to tell you it's my husband. It ought to be, but it's probably with a potato. <laughs> my should knows him as I love him. I still have. My husband is has, has had a weight problem most of his life, and he's an emotional eater. He is not a compulsive overeater. The size of my body has nothing to do with my compulsive overeating. It, is a, it resides right here. It doesn't care what my body looks like. He does not think about lunch at 6 o'clock in the morning, I guarantee you. He has never thought about lunch at 6 o'clock in the morning. So that makes me different from him bodily and mentally. And so my relationship with him has had to include the fact and he is so wonderful. And if you have partners, my partner does not bring foods that my most fragile self will, will want. Thank you. In my most fragile moments, he does not bring those into the house and never has. And I'm so grateful. I do not You have five, five minutes left as well.
1: Nancy, anyone in the room? With that, we have another question online. Guys, anybody want to ask questions? <laughs> You can go ahead, Don. Okay. How did your meditation uh, change when your concept of God changed? That's beautiful.
0: I had a meditation practice. I started when I got my uh, my new a- AA sponsored. So I was about two and a half years in. And it was right around the time I relapsed as well. I started a three-minute-a-day meditation practice. He told me, you just have to do three minutes a day. It will expand on its own when it's ready. I could only commit to three minutes a day for 11 years. So if anyone's out there and thinks they can't meditate, nobody has a busier mind. My mind would be like, feed the cat, feed the cat, feed the cat, feed the cat. So I'd put a little notebook, for this book, my uh by me, feed the cat. Whatever went into my mind so I could get back to those three minutes, in which most of it I counted the whole time. So it doesn't matter how you start or where you start. Start wherever you're at. Um, when I got to the point where I had to do the new higher power, I realized a couple things. Not all parts of me. Not all selves in me. We're we're a mixture. When I talk about myself, I talk about myself as if I'm one one state of consciousness all the time, and I'm not. I'm various states of consciousness. Not all of them need the same higher power. I discovered. So when I actually did this process, I did a. I went to Chronic Pain Anonymous, and I did the steps over, and um, I was reintroduced to meditation through guided uh, um, meditations. Which, in my spiritual arrogance, I thought as a lower form of meditation, and it wasn't. And then, um, recently, about eight weeks ago, I got trained in uh, Vedic meditation, and I found that very helpful as a vehicle to get to quiet. Um, currently, my practice is twice a day, 22 minutes um, each time. That, you know, that's way, way into meditation many, many years. And I'm finding that to be extraordinarily helpful.
1: I think we have time for one more, uh, about two minutes. Uh, in times of stress and anxiety, how do you recenter or ground yourself so your disease does not get a way in? How do you read about your faith?
0: Well, I'd like to talk about something I haven't really mentioned, but it's been the core of what saved my sanity and I believe my life because I didn't want to be here anymore and that is mindful self-compassion self-compassion and I had to learn it as a practice I had to have somebody teach me what that did to do it willy-nilly and just love myself that's like like just don't drink or some silly kind of uh a statement like that I needed someone to show me what that meant what it looked like and how to do it and so um gosh, I lost my train of thought. Would you repeat the question?
1: Sure. In times of stress and anxiety, do uh, you recenter really or ground yeah. yourself?
0: So what I uh, learned was that there's a step zero. It's called Ow. I had skipped over it. I was so wanting to get to forgiveness. I was so wanting to get at that point so experienced with the steps through the steps and get get it get on with it. So I can get through it that I did not allow time for the ow. And that's when I go to myself and I say, ow, that really hurts. Of course that hurt, honey. I'm so sorry. I say whatever I say to calm down this part, to love myself. And then I can expand down and realize, wow, there are people all over the world feeling just like I feel right now. And I don't feel so alone. And my frontal cortex that has so... Wrong, and all there is is fight, flight or freeze slowly, naturally comes back online, and I'm able to do the steps. But I couldn't until I la- allowed time to be out.. So thank, you. thank you so much. thanks, everybody.